3, 2, unité, top, allumage EAP, décollage. podcast. My name is Ophelia, your host today. I am one of the PhD students in the planetary group here at the Marnard Space Science Laboratory. In this episode, we're going to talk to some of the other first year PhD students to find out a bit about why they wanted to do a PhD, how their past experiences have helped them here, and how they found their first couple of months as researchers. First up, we have Chen Li. Hi, Chen Li. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm okay. Could you tell us a little bit about what you're doing here at MSSL? Okay, so I am a first year PhD student. I'm in the Astro Group. My supervisor is Kin Wa Wu, and I'm working on the effects of cosmic rays on the circumgalactic medium. Cosmic rays, can you tell yep. us a bit more about where they're from? There are a lot of different sources for cosmic rays. It can be, like the ones that I'm looking at mostly are from supernovae, but you can also get them from normal stars. Like on Earth, we receive quite a few from the sun. You can also get them from like active galactic nuclei and things as well. So which one are you so, most interested in? The ones probably from... the supernovae ones. Okay, cool. From our own galaxy? I'm currently not looking at any specific galaxy. Like I'm working on the theoretical size of building models and stuff from like within the galaxy itself. Ah, great. Um, What did you do before coming here? What was your background? I came straight from my undergrad slash master's, which was astrophysics at Cambridge. How did that help you? I got a lot of astrophysics experience. I mean, it was pretty mathematical. And like in my last year, I ended up doing basically half particle physics, half astrophysics, which is kind of why I like what I'm doing for my PhD because it's a blend of the two and like I was when I started my undergrad considering going into theoretical physics but then found I liked astro more but then this is like a nice way for me to do both and not have to give up one or the other. You mentioned the circumgalactic medium what's that then? It's like a halo of gas around a galaxy so um, most of the time when you look at um, like gas in around galaxies, you look at the interstellar medium, which is like the gas properly confined within the galaxy, and then the intergalactic medium, which is not really connected or um, bound to any galaxy in particular. It's just kind of floats between them or in the middle of galactic clusters. And the circumgalactic medium is like the interface between these two things. So if the galaxy is trying to like accrete any gas to form stars it has to go from the intergalactic medium through the circumgalactic medium and then somehow reach the interstellar medium but the problem with this is that when you've got the gas going through the circumgalactic medium it's buffeted by like a lot of hot ionized gas that's already lives there various forces some of the well cosmic rays from the supernovae also other various outflowing gas and stuff from star formation. Cool. Did you always want to to do a PhD? And uh, were you always interested in astrophysics? I mean, 
fairly like I was for a while then went away and like decided I wanted to do graphic design and then like came back when I realized that physics was more fun and slightly less work for me than having to take art or graphic design physics kind of comes more naturally to me than like the graphic design thing ah cool how would you sum up your first couple of months here I mean it's been interesting it's been quite a change from undergrad like I've pretty I mean they I know I say when you go to undergrad you have to work like motivate yourself to work but it's even more so now like my su- I meet with my supervisor once maybe twice a week and he says yeah okay go like this week I was told okay go and build a galaxy now a model of a galaxy I'm going to France I'll see you when I come back so you think you have to be a lot more independent yeah is there any sort of things you wish you'd done when you were an undergrad to help you prepare more I feel like if I'd known a bit more about galaxies, that would have helped. So, like, basically the entirety of my first month was, okay, learn how galaxies work, and then you can start doing cosmic ray stuff. Did you do the combined masters? Yeah. Did your research project then help you with what you're doing here? No, my research project was on gravitational lensing of quasars. So I had zilch to do with what I'm doing now. Including the sort of methods that you're using? Yeah, pretty much, like... What I was doing before was kind of semi-theoretical, but it was still mostly based on data. So, like, I was working with data from Hubble, whereas now I'm purely theoretical, just building stuff in Python and Fortran. I mean, the exposure to Python that I had then was helpful. It did help. It was just, like, the subject matter is completely unrelated to what I'm doing now. Do you feel powerful you get to build a galaxy? I feel more powerful if Python would help. (laughs) Thank you, Chungling. Thanks for talking to us today. I'm now joined by Richard. Hi, Richard. Hi, Ophelia. Uh, So tell us a bit about what your project is on. My project, well, what it's supposed to be, is doing a comparison of the ion pickup process at Mars, Venus and Titan. But what I'm working on right now is looking at ions at Enceladus, so the moon of Saturn, where they found the water plumes. Why did you decide to study Enceladus first? <laughs> it was my supervisor's idea, because uh, a new paper came out over the summer which uh, showed a lot of uh, high-mass organic hydrocarbons, so stuff that they think is precursors to life. Have you found any of these precursors to life yet? I think there's some sort of cool organic mo- uh, molecules there. But whether I found any yet, I don't know. It's part of the fun, I guess. What did you do before? I did a integrated master's at Imperial, doing physics. Physics? Uh, ha- has that helped you with your work here? Yeah, it was uh, really helpful because, well, my master's project in my final year was looking at the uh, magnetosphere around Saturn. So for that, I was using Cassini data, and what I'm working on now, I'm also using Cassini data. So that's quite handy. Yeah, that's quite handy. Does it feel quite um, familiar to you then? Not entirely, but more, it was more about learning the environment I'm working in, so around Saturn. Because, well, I've pre- I was previously using magnetic data, and now I'm using plasma data. How did you find the jump between your master's and your PhD? Well, uh, instead of paying to do something, I'm now getting money to do something, which feels a lot more responsibility of actually turning up and doing something. But fortunately, like, I, 
I have more freedom and I chose, well, I chose to do this. So it, it's much more interesting. I find myself thinking about work even when I'm not here. So do you feel like you have to be more independent now? Definitely. 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 Because, well, I'm the only person working on what I'm doing. So you've, the, the independence is forced, but. Is that scary or exciting or a bit of both? A bit of both, of course. <laughs> it's sort of the, you know, scrabbling through the dark trying to figure out what you're doing but it's just a bit of fun as well because when you when you find something you'll be like yeah i found this did you always want to do a phd or was this always part of your grand plans in life uh, um it crossed my mind but then i went through university and found a lot of people who were smarter than me i hadn't really considered it until i well i always said i wouldn't decide until I'd done some research and I finally did some research for masters and really enjoyed it and then I knew a couple of people who well talking to people about it they already convinced me to give it a go and it worked nice <laughs> I'm here <laughs> and, and and how have you find it now that you are here well it's a big step up and learning a lot of different things very quickly but it's it's good enjoying it great thank you very much Richard sorry I'm now joined by Anurag. Hi, Anurag. How are you today? I'm good, Ophelia. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm all right, thanks. Awesome. Can you just explain about uh, what you, you're doing here, your project, what group you're in? Sure. So I'm in the uh, Astro Group, which is the astrophysics group, but actually my project is more to do with cosmology. Uh, my supervisor is Tom Kitching, and essentially what I'm working on is weak gravitational lensing uh, to examine the large-scale structure of the universe. Now, weak gravitational lensing is basically the sort of general lensing that all galaxies in the universe experience because of the large-scale structure, so all the dark matter that's kind of like dispersed all throughout the universe. So how do these large uh, structures actually lens what, whatever is they're lensing? Yeah, sure. So essentially, uh, dark matter, we basically know very little about it. But what we do know is that it, it basically does, you know, it has gravity. So what that means is that um, when there's a dark matter structure between us and a faraway object, the light that is coming to us from that object is basically bent by the gravity of that uh, dark matter thing. And uh, its lens shapes changes because the, the light beams that make it up when they get to us are all messed up, basically. So it's a bit like um, light going through water or... or glass or something it gets yeah exactly bent. it's very similar it's a good way to think about it you have some sort of medium in the middle and it just changes the direction of the light and then you get something that looks blurred or different you know oh great um what did you do for your undergrad so i did my uh, i did my master's in physics at imperial and that was like a you know four-year integrated master's were you already focusing on cosmology Sort of. My uh, it was more my, my master's project was more sort of astro pure astrophysics which is like not so abstract and not so it is more like looking at actual objects and things like that. Um, my master's project was on what we call the SZ effect, the Sinaev-Zolovich effect, which is like a, a shift in the cosmic microwave background, basically. Did any of your master's project help you with what you're doing now in terms of the methods that you're using? Yeah, well, so uh, I definitely learned a lot of sort of programming that was related to astrophysics during my master's project, and I think that's obviously very useful. I mean, it made my Python a lot better in terms of like scientific programming and a lot of those things, a lot of the tricks that I learned during doing that I basically use today to make things a lot faster and easier for myself. So in that sense, yeah. How's doing a PhD different to doing a master's? 
Well, it's a lot more independent. I mean, um, I think a master's project gives you a good taste of the kind of thing you'll be doing, but you still have a fair bit of support from your supervisor. Usually, you know, your supervisor, like, knows where the project should be going and, like, can guide you. Whereas with a PhD, it's a lot more open-ended. Like, sometimes I'll go to my supervisor and we'll both be like, yeah, we don't really know what's going on here, you know, but let's let's see what happens. And so it's uh, it's more open-ended, which is obviously more interesting, but it can also be more frustrating at times. But it's definitely fun. Did you go straight? From your master's to the PhD? No, uh, I actually finished my master's a year ago and I spent the year working at the European Space Agency in the Netherlands, uh, working on the James Webb Space Telescope. Ah, great. What did you do there? So I was in charge of uh, looking at one very unique problem that uh, JWST, as we call it, has, which is that on one of the instruments, um, essentially, there is this unique source of background light and uh, we basically wanted to come up with some kind of way of modelling it to remove it. Did you set out to work at the European Space Agency or did you kind of fall into it? Yeah, so it was. I think it was definitely a bit of falling into in the sense that, um, you know, towards the end of my master's, it's obviously, it's always a bit of a panic to be like, oh, oh, what am I going to do next, you know? So it's like looking at everything, doing loads of research, finding loads of places, just applying, applying, applying. Uh, and I came across this thing and, you know, it was like, I'd never heard of this before. It's like the Young Graduate Trainee Program, which ESA has. And it was just super cool, right? It was, a, you can do it in a lot of different things. And this one happened to be in astrophysics and it happened to be on JWST, which is like, hopefully going to be like the astrophysical ob- uh, observatory of the next, you know, whatever, two decades, let's say. Uh, so I was like, yeah, this is ideal. And then I just sort of applied for it. We've already heard from Richard and Chung Ling, and they went straight from their masters to their PhDs. How has that year out uh, helped you? Sure. So I think it's uh, it's kind of given me a jump on sort of what to expect. I think uh, there are, I see I see the first year other first year students trying to sort of get into a groove uh, that I already have, just because in many ways that year was like starting a PhD project uh, in the sense that I was doing sort of new research. You know, things were expected of me. I was expected to be very independent. Um, so I think it's really helped me with, in that sense, just get into things and get things going. And it's actually, I think, given me a lot more confidence in making my own conclusions and doing my own research because that sort of initial um, trepidation that you feel when you start a PhD, you know, like, oh, do I really know what I'm talking about? You know, oh, hey, I've, I've done something here. Is this right? Is this wrong? I don't know, right? I've, I've already been through that. You know, I've already been through, like, all, the, all that. So I feel confident. I feel more confident saying things to my supervisor, for example, or just, like, if I see something that seems wrong, I feel more confident being like, okay, that, that could genuinely be wrong rather than, you know, I just don't know anything. I still do feel that a lot, you know, that uh, I have no idea what's going on, but I think it's helped me be, yeah, you know, get things going. We've been here for a couple of months now. How have you found them? Very inclusive, uh, relatively relaxed and, yeah, like, have no complaints as such. But yeah, I mean, it's sort of that, that stage where, like, you're still trying to figure out where your PhD is going. It's fun. Uh, thank you very much, Anurag, and best of luck. No problem. Thank you. With me, I have Sam. Hi, Sam. Hello. Just introduce yourself for us. I'm Sam, and I'm in the Space Plasmas group, and I'm working on... So I'm looking at the electron losses in the Van Allen radiation belts, so the outer Van Allen radiation belts, using several spacecraft, including Proba mission... Arase or ERG, uh, as well as Sampex. So I'm sort of chopping a load of different data sets together to analyse electron losses after substorms in the magnetosphere. So what are the Van Allen belts? Van Allen belts are basically pockets of high-energy electrons 
around the Earth, basically, uh, in, in the plasma sphere, which is like between two and six Earth radii. So the electrons sort of bounce from pole to pole at high energy. And obviously we have to worry about them because spacecraft can go in that region. And knowing about them is useful because it can tell us a lot about space weather as well. Ah, so these, uh, these electrons are sort of trapped. Yeah, so they're trapped. In, they're trapped. Yeah. They're trapped. What made you decide to do this particular project? So this particular project, uh, I, I wanted to do terrestrial space plasma physics because I, I like outreach, basically. And terrestrial plasma physics, I feel, is more relatable to the public because it's Earth uh, rather than other planets. So, yeah, I, I was always looking at terrestrial plasma physics projects and uh, obviously Van Allen, Van, Van Allen belts are cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you feel like it's got more sort of impact to the general public? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. That's kind of what I'm trying to say. Like it's, it's has an impact. Our research helps, has a practical use in, in the real world to protect spacecraft and like power grids from from substorms. Mm, yeah, because um, the Met Office, um, not that long ago, they set up a, a space weather division, didn't they? Yes. So yeah, they, they will use So uh, my research won't directly... Hmm. speaks to the Met Office, but it increases our understanding of how to predict, like how to predict on a regular basis these things happening. What did you do for your undergraduate degree? Uh, my undergraduate degree was uh, physics with astrophysics at Leicester, uh, like a four-year integrated master's. And my master's project was Mercury's magnetosphere, just basically looking at waves in Mercury's magnetosphere um, to understand the dynamics of it. Oh, great. So um, are there any similarities or is there a big difference between the two planets' magnetospheres? It's, it's quite, quite, it's got a, yeah, quite a big difference. So Mercury's magnetosphere is like, is quite small. It's quite weak. So like, and it's close to the sun. So it gets thrown around a lot and it's incredibly dynamic. And sometimes it can like be very close to the surface, whereas Earth is quite big and it's less dynamic, but obviously there's more different aspects to it because it's, a lot. It's huge compared to Mercury's. How did your master's project help you um, with what you're doing now? Not not just necessarily the information or the knowledge you gain, but the skills. So, a huge skill was for that I learned from my master's project was like managing my own time because I obviously you have a supervisor. He says he he sort of guides you, but then you have to go away and do the work. So, and that kind of and going away knowing what you need to do and managing your time to get things done basically and mainly that was coding and coding has been a very useful thing mm-hmm. so far and the, that style of work in my master's project is what basically made me want to do a PhD oh, like great. managing my own time Did you always know that you wanted to go into this this field of astronomy? Nope <laughs> <laughs> like literally up until like the summer before my final year at uh, before my master's, I didn't even want to do a PhD. I, I always said, oh, I could never do a PhD because it's like another four years of education. But having looked at like different engineering jobs and industry jobs, nothing really caught my eye. And then it sort of crept into my mind like, maybe I do want to do a PhD. So had a look into it and re- decided from, from my courses at, at uni, realised that space plasma physics was the area I was sort of most interested in and then started looking for PhDs and here I am. <laughs> ah, great. Apart from being more or having to be more independent, how does a PhD dif- uh, differ to doing a master's? Oh God, in so in so many ways. 
like masters is is obviously well in my case it was taught so you were given lectures with loads of material go away learn the material come back do an exam and phd is you have an ultimate ob- you have things to do and you do them it's a, lo- a lot more like an actual job uh, which is nice like there's no pressure to learn things that might not be relevant like you, everything you do in a phd is working towards the ultimate goal of publishing a thesis <laughs> so yeah it's a lot different and yeah like i said with my master's project was a similar was was like that so that made me want to continue doing that you've only been here a couple of months have you found it are you glad that you're here oh yeah definitely i love it yeah no regrets at all there's something that i think a lot of prospective PhD students want to know uh, and that is what advice would you give them now that you've been here a couple of months uh, so I would say obviously again I haven't been here long but I would say like when you get here you'll probably feel like you don't have a clue what you're doing and that's okay because all of the older students if you actually talk to them they also don't know what they're doing even though they're writing papers and like it's fine to not know stuff basically like the the whole point of research is we don't know and we're trying to find out. Thanks very much, Sam. Good luck with everything. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you to Chimling, Richard, Anurag and Sam for speaking to us. My journey is slightly different to theirs and I guess less direct as well. But firstly, what am I working on here? My supervisor is Graziella Brandwadi Raymond, who is a superstar in X-ray astronomy. She's a complete legend. I'm looking at the X-ray emissions from Jupiter's Aurorae, the Northern and Southern Lights. Most of the planets in our solar system experience Aurorae, including the Earth, of course, but Jupiters are huge. They're so large they can fit the Earth inside them. Previous works have shown that there are two types of X-ray emissions from Jupiter's Aurorae. You've got the soft X-rays, which have lower energies below 2 kV and a hard x-rays which have higher energies. They're produced in two different ways. The soft x-rays come from charge exchange processes whereas the hard x-rays are due to Bremsstrahlung radiation. What you've got is an incoming or precipitating ion heading towards Jupiter. The ion can take one or even more electrons from a neutral atom in Jupiter's atmosphere and this captured electron is in an excited state. It will release a photon when it transitions to a lower energy state, and if the difference in the energy levels is big enough, then an X-ray photon will be released, and that's what happens in charge exchange. Bremsstrahlung or breaking radiation is given off by charged particles when they are accelerated or decelerated. What we're also not sure about is where these precipitating ions originate from. Are they mostly from the solar wind, or are they mostly from the material ejected by Io's volcanoes. Hopefully in the next three or four years I'll be able to answer that question. So what did I do before? I finished my MSci physics degree at Royal Holloway in 2012. Even though I've always loved astronomy, my master's research project was actually in particle physics. This was the days before the Large Hadron Collider was running at its full capacity and before we'd even discovered the Higgs boson. So I was simulating data to see whether the Atlas detector might be able to detect any new physics, so any new particles that are beyond the standard model, 
and if it could then find out what those signals would look like. But I also completed a research review about the hydrocarbon clouds and lakes on Titan as witnessed by Cassini and Huygens. Those two projects helped me to realise that if I were to do a PhD afterwards, it would be in planetary science. They gave me an introduction to see what it's like to work on a long-term project and how to read and understand scientific papers. I knew from very early on in my undergraduate studies that I didn't want to do a PhD. What I really wanted to do was science communication. I did a lot of outreach and worked at a science centre over a summer and loved teaching and talking about science, but I didn't want to work in a school. Between my final exam and graduation, I managed to get a job at the Science Museum in London as an explainer. My role was to interact with the public, really, to explain the science behind the exhibits, to perform shows, present live demonstrations as well. It was a lot of fun. After two years, I moved on to the Royal Observatory Greenwich, where I was an astronomer. I presented almost 2,000 planetarium shows. I taught everyone from year ones to A-level students. Wrote for newspapers and books, been interviewed on the TV and radio, recorded podcasts, videos, gave talks at school assemblies and festivals. It was an incredible job, really. I learnt a lot about the different fields in astronomy and space science. So even though I wasn't an expert in anything, I knew a little bit about everything. After working with and speaking to many researchers, I found myself thinking, research sounds fun, maybe I should try it. Um, Most of my friends from uni have finished their PhDs now, so I was able to ask them how they found the whole experience. I was worried that I'd been out of academia for too long and that I haven't done enough planetary science courses in the past, but I'm realising now that all of my past experiences have helped me get here. There are usually opportunities to go to the master's level, lectures to gain more knowledge. So if you're in a similar situation, you've been out of academia for a while and you're thinking about coming back and doing a PhD, do it. Speak to potential supervisors, speak to the departments. Don't be discouraged. Thank you again to Chungling Liu Kane, Richard Haventhwaite, Anura Deshpande and Sam Walton. I am Ophelia Wibisono. If you want to learn more about what we do and to find out about PhD opportunities here at MSSL, please go to our website www.ucl.ac.uk slash MSSL. Thank you for listening to our Thinking Space podcast. Until next time, clear skies. (laughs) 